Ozuma Pokocho presents War of the Worlds. The Columbia Broadcasting System is affiliated stations, presents awesome worlds and Mercury Theatre on the in in the War of the Worlds by HD Wells. Ladies and gentlemen, the director of Mercury Theatre and star of these broadcasts, Awesome Wells. We know how that in early years of the twentieth century this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man, and yet as moral as his own. We know that as human beings busied themselves about their various concerns, they scrutinised and studied rats almost as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinise the transient creatures that will spawn a multiplied drop of water. If infinite comprehensive people went to and fro from earth about the little affairs, serene insurance their domination over this small spinning fragment of solar driftwood, which by chance of design man was inherited out of dark mystery of time and space, yet across an immense affluent gulf, minds that, that to our minds as ours are, are to the beasts in the jungle, intellects vast, cool, unsympathetic, regard this earth with envious eyes, and slowly and surely drew their plans against us. In the 35th year of the 20th century came the disillusionment. It is near the end of October. Business was better. A war scarce was over. More men were back at work. Sales were picking up. On this particular evening, October 30th, across the station service estimated 32 million people were listening in on radios. For the next 24 hours, not much change in temperature. A slight disturbance of understand undetermined origin is brought it over Nova Scotia, causing a low-pressure area to move down slow, rather rapidly over the northeastern north straits, bringing a forecast of rain, occupied by winds of light gale force. Maximum temperature 66, minimum 88. 48. This weather report comes to you from the Government Weather Bureau. We now take you to the Median Room in the Hotel Park Plaza in downtown New York, where we will be entertained by the music of Random Random Redo and Orchestra. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. From the Mountain Room in the Park Plaza, Plaza in New York City, we bring you the music of Random Redo and his Orchestra. We touch the Spanish. Ladies and gentlemen, we re-interrupt our programme of dance music to bring you a special bedroom from the Intercontinental Radio News. At 20 minutes before 8 Central Time, Professor Farrell of the Mount Jennings Observatory, Chicago, in Lowe's, reports observing several explosions in gas occurring at regular intervals on the planet Mars. The spectrograph indicates the gas to be hydrogen and moving towards the Earth with enormous velocity. Professor Pearson of the Observatory of Princeton confirms Farrell's observation and describes them for a moment as, quote, like a jet of blue flame shot from a gun, unquote. We now will return you to the music of Ramon Raquel, playing for you in the Mendon Room of the Park Plaza Hotel, situated in downtown New York. Now a tune that never has lost favour for ever-popular stardust, Ramon Raquel and his orchestra. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Following on the news given in our bulletin a moment ago, the Government Meteorological Bureau has requested large offices of the country to keep an, uh, an astronomical watch on any further disturbances occurring on the planet Mars. Due to the unusual nature of this occurrence, we arranged an interview with noted astronomer Professor Pearson, who will give us his views on the event. In a few moments, we're taking you to the Princeton Observatory at Princeton, New Jersey. We're turning you until then to the music of Roman Raquel and his orchestra. We are now ready to take you to the Princeton Observatory at Princeton Town. We have Carl Phillips, our commentator. We'll interview Professor Richard Pearson, famous astrologer. We take you now to Princeton, New Jersey. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Carl Phillips speaking from the, from the observatory at Princeton. I'm speaking in a large semi circular room, pitch black as if for an envelope speed on the ceiling. Through this opening, I see a sprinkling of stars that cast a kind of frosty glow off the intricate mechanism of the huge telescope. The tricking sound you hear is a vibration of the clockwork. Professor Vincent stands directly above me at a small platform, peering through a great lens, giant lens. I ask you to be patient, ladies and gentlemen. During our delay, you may rise during our interview. Besides his ceaseless watch of the heavens, Professor Jensen may be interrupted by telephone or other communications during this period where he is in constant touch with the instrumental centers of the world. Professor, may I begin to ask questions at any time, Mr. Phillips? Professor, Professor you've, will you please tell us? Tell your radio audience exactly what you see as you observe the planet Mars from your telescope. Nothing unusual, I don't remember, Mr. Phillips. A red disc swinging in blue sea, transverse stripes across this disc. Quite distinct now, because Mars happens to be in port, point nearest to the Earth in position, in opposite, as we call it. In your opinion, what are the, the transverse stripes in this way, Professor Pearson? Not canals, I assure you, Mr. Phillips. Though there's a popular conjecture that those imagined Mars be uninhabited. From a scientific viewpoint, the stripes are merely a result of atmospheric conditions peculiar to the planet. Then you are quite convinced as a scientist that a living intelligence as we know it does not exist on Mars. I say the chances against it are a thousand to one. And yet, you know, how do you account for those gas interruptions occurring on the surface of the planet at regular intervals. Mr. Phillips, I cannot account for it. By the way, Professor, for the benefit of our listeners, how far is Mars from Earth? Approximately 40 million miles. Well, that seems a safe distance. Thank you. Just a moment, ladies and gentlemen. Someone has just handed Professor Pearson a message. I read it. Let me remind you that we are speaking to you from the observatory in Princeton, New Jersey, where we are interviewing the world-famous astrologer, Professor Pearson. One moment, please. Professor Pearson has passed me a message, which he just received. Professor, may I read a message to the listening audience? Certainly, Mr. Phillips. Ladies and gentlemen, I shall read to you a wire addressed to Professor Pearson from Dr. Gray in the National History Museum, New York, 9.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Stereomograph. 
registered shock of almost earthquake intensity occurring from a radius of 20 miles to Princeton. Please investigate. Signed, Lord Grey, Chief of Astronomical Division. Professor Pearson, would this occurrence possibly have something to do with services observed on the planet Mars? Hardly, Mr. Phillips. This is probably a meteorite of the unusual size. It's vital at this particular time. It may be a coincidence. However, we shall conduct a search as soon as daylight permits. Thank you, professors, ladies and gentlemen. For the past ten minutes, we've been speaking to you from the observatory of Princeton, bringing you a special interview with Professor Pearson, noted astrologer. This is Cal Phillips speaking. We're returning you now to our New York studio. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the latest bulletin for the Intercontinental News. Radio News, Toronto, Canada. Professor Moose of McGill University posts observing a total of three explosions from the planet Mars between the hours of 7.35pm and 9.20pm Eastern Standard Time. This confirms only reports received from American observatories. Now near home comes a special bulletin from Denton, New Jersey. It is reported that eight 50 p.m. A huge flaming object, believed to be a meteorite, fell on a farm in the neighborhood of Grover's Hill, New Jersey, 22 miles from Tenton. The flashing sky was visible for a radius of several hundred miles. A noise of the main pack was heard far north as Elizabeth. We dispatched a special mobile unit to the scene. Will you, will, and we'll have our commentator Carl Phillips give you a word description. As soon as you can reach there from Princeton. In the time, we'll take you to Hotel Manor in Brooklyn, where Billy Mundet and his orchestra are offering a program of dance music. We take you now to Grover's Hill, New York, Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Cal Phillips again, out of Milson Ham, Milmerham, Grover's Hill, New Jersey. Professor Pearson, maybe made made eleven miles from Princeton in ten minutes. Well, ah. Uh, I hardly would know where to begin. Paint you, paint for the you. You will draw a picture of a strange scene before my eyes, like something out of modern Arabian Nights. Well, I got. Well, I just got here. Haven't had a chance to look around yet. I guess it. Guess it's. Yes, I guess that's the thing directly in front of me, half buried in Lamb's pit. Must have struck with terrific force. The ground is covered splinters. A tree is about. It must have struck on its way down. What I can see of the object itself doesn't look much like a meteor, at least not the meteors I've seen. It looks more like a huge cylinder. It's an diameter of what what would you say, Professor? Pearson? What what's that? What did you say? What is it diameter? About thirty yards. About thirty yards? The the metal on this sheaf is well I've never seen anything like it. The colour is sort of yellowish white, curious spectators, now pressing close to the object in spite of the efforts by the police to keep them back. They're standing in front of my line of vision. Would you mind standing out to one side, please? One side, please, one side. Well, the policemen are pushing the crowd back. Here's Mr. Wilmoth, of owner of the farm. Here, he have you we may have some interesting facts to add. Mr. Wilmoth. Would you please tell me where you are, as much as you remember, of this unusual visitor that dropped in your backyard. Step closer, please, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mr. Wilmoth. Well, I was listening to the radio. Closer and louder, please. Pardon me. Closer, please. and Louder, please, and closer. Yes, sir. 
There I was, listening to the radio. I kind of dozing, but the perfect festival over there. We're talking about mares. So I was half dozing and half. Yes, Mr. Perlmuth. Then what happened? As I was saying, I was listening to the radio kind of half ways. Yes, Mr. Perlmuth. And what did, uh, when, and when you saw something, not first off, I heard something. And what did you hear? A sound, a sound, a hissing sound. Like this, hiss. Kind of like a froth of a giant rocket. Then what? Turn my head out the window, and you would swore I was, was sleeping and dreaming. Yes? I was kind of seen a kind of yellowish, greenish streak. And then Zingo, something smacked the ground, knocked me clear out of my chair. Well, you're afraid, will you frighten Mr. Wilmoth? Well, I ain't quite sure. I reckon I was kind of wild. Thank you, Mr. Wilmoth. Thank you. Want me to tell you in some more? No. That's quite all right. That's plenty. Ladies and gentlemen, you just heard from Mr. Wilmoth, owner of the farm, wherein this thing was fallen. I wish I could evade the atmosphere. The background is fantastic scene. Hundreds of cars are parked in the field back of us. Police are trying to rope up the runway, roadway leading to the farm. But it's no use. They're breaking right through. Cars, headlights throw a long spot on the pit where objects half buried. Some of the most daring souls are now venturing near the edge. These silhouettes stand out against the metal sheen. Faint humming sound. One man wants to touch the thing. He's having an argument with a policeman. Policeman wins. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's something I haven't mentioned. All this excitement. But now it's becoming more distinct. Perhaps like they call it something they call, you call it. Already on your radio. Listen. Did you hear it? A curious humming sound that seems to come from the inside the object. I'll move the microphone nearer. Now we're not more than 25 feet away. Can you hear it now? Oh, Professor Pearson. Yes, Mr. Phillips. Can, can you tell me you mean the meaning that scraping noise inside the thing? Possibly the unrequal calling of his service. I see. Do you think he's a meteor, Professor? I don't know what to think. The metal casing is definitely extraterrestrial. Not found on this earth. Friction with Earth's atmosphere usually tears holes in the meteorite. This thing is smooth, as you see, of cylindrical shape. Just a minute, something's happening, ladies and gentlemen. This is terrific. This end of the thing is beginning to flake off. The top is beginning to rotate like a screw. A thing must be hollow. She's moving. Look, the damn thing's unscrewing. Keep back, keep back, keep back. I tell you, maybe there's man's in it. Trying to escape, it's red hot. They'll burn you to a cinder. Keep back. There, keep back, you idiots. Keep back, those idiots back. She's off. The little top's loose. Look out. Step back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever witnessed. Wait a minute. Someone's crawling out of the hollow top. Someone or something I can't I can see peering out of the black hole. Two luminous tits are on the, their eyes. It must it must be a face. It might be Good heavens, something wiggling out of the shadow, like a grey snake. Now it's another one, another one, and another. They look like tentacles to me. There, I see the thing's body. It's large, large as a bear. It glistens like wet liver. But, that, face it. It, ladies and gentlemen, it's indescribable. I can hardly force myself to keep looking at it. The eyes are black and gleam like a servant. The mouth is vine-shaped with survivor. 
dripping from his rimless lips and seemed to quiver and pulsate. Monster, whatever it is, can hardly move. It seems weighed down by pussy gravity or something. The thing's rising up. The crowd falls back. There seems plenty, plenty. This is the most extraordinary experience I can... I can't find words. I pull... I'll pull this microphone with me as I talk. I have to stop the description until I can take a new position. Hold on, will you please? I'll be right back in a minute. Lady, we are bringing you an eyewitness account of what's happening at Rover's Farm, Grover's Hill, New Jersey. We now return to you to Carl Phillips of Grover's Hill. Bill. Ladies and gentlemen, am I on? Ladies and gentlemen, here I am, back at the stone wall that joins Mr. Rover's garden. From here, I can get a sweep of the whole scene. I'll give you every detail as long as I can talk, as long as I can see. More state police arrive. They're drawing up a cauldron in front of the pit. About 30 of them. No need to push the crowd back now. They're willing to keep the distance. The captain's conferring with everyone. Can't see who. Oh, yes, I believe it's Professor Pearson. Yes, it is. Now they've been parted. The professor moves round one side, studying the object. Well, the captain... Two policemen advance with something in their hands. I can see it now. It's a white handkerchief tied to a pole. A flag of truce. If those creatures know what that means, what anything means. Wait, something's happening. A hump shaped is rising out of the pit. I can see it out of a small beam of light against a mirror. What's that? There's a jet of flame springing from the mirror. It leaks right out of the advancing end. Strikes him head on. Look, good Lord. They're turning, turning into flame. Now they, now the whole field's caught fire. The woods, the barns, the gas tanks of automobiles. It's spreading everywhere. It's coming this way. About 20 yards to my right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, due to some distance, but under our control, we're unable to continue the broadcast from Grover's Hill. Eventually there's some, eventually there's some difficulty with our failed transmission. However, we will return the point at the earliest opportunity. In the meantime, we give you a we have a late bulletin from San Diego, California. Professor Ellen Duff, speaking at a dinner of California's Editorial Society, expressed the opinion the explosion in Mars undoubtedly nothing more than severe volcanic disturbances on the surface of the planet. We now continue with our piano interlude. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been handed a message that came in from Rover's Hill by its telephone. Just a moment. At least 40 people including six state troopers lie dead in the field east of the village of Grover's Hill. Their bodies turned and distorted beyond all possible recognition. The next voice you hear will be Brigadier General McGogory Smith, commander of the state military at Trenton, New Jersey. I've been requested by the governor of New Jersey to please the country's mer- counties of Mercer, Middlesex, as far west as Princeton, and the east of Jamesburg and the martial law. No one will be needed to enter this area set by special powers issued by the state of military authorities. Four companies of state military are proceeding from Trenton to Mr. Hill. They will aid in evacuation of the homes within a range of military operations. Thank you. You have now been listening to General Montgomery Smith commanding the state military of Trenton. In the meantime, further details of, of catastrophe of of the catastrophe at Clover's Mill, I'll come right in. As strange creatures, after releasing their deadly salt, crawled back into the pit and made no attempt to prevent the 
efforts of firemen to recover the bodies and strings of fire. Combined fire departments of Mercy County are fighting the flames which menace the entire countryside. We have been able to establish any contact with a member unit of Clover Seal, but we hope to be able to return you there at the earliest moment. In the meantime, wait, we thank you. Just one moment, please. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been informed we've been finally established communication with the eyewitness of the tragedy. Professor Pearson has been located at a farmhouse near Grover's Hill, where he's established an emergency observation post. As a scientist, he'll give us his explanation of the calamity. The next voice you hear will be that Professor Pearson put you for a direct rider. Professor Pearson. If all of the creatures of the rocket centers of Gravis Hill, I give you no authoritative information, either to their nature or their origin and their purposes. Here enough, of their deceptive instrument, I might venture some conclusive explanation. From what, from what of a better term, I refer to the mysterious weapon as heat ray. It's all too evident these creatures have scientific knowledge for our advance of their own. It is our guess that in some way they are able to generate an immense heat a chamber of practically absolute non-comfortability is a tendency that you become projected parallel beam against any object you choose by means of a polished parallel mirror of unknown conservation, such as a mirror of lighthouse project projects as a beam of light. There's no conjecture of the origin of the heat ray. Thank you, Professor Pearson. Ladies and gentlemen, the bulletin from Trenton. It's a brief statement informing us that a child body of child Phillips has been identified in Trenton Hospital. Now there's another bulletin from Washington, D.C. Office and the Director of National Red Cross reports 10 units of Red Cross emergency workers been assigned to headquarters of the state military stationed outside General Grover's Mills, New Jersey. There's a bulletin from State Police, Princeton Trenton. The fires of Grover Mill, vicinity are now under control. Scouts report all quiet in the pit. No sign of life, peering from the mouth of the senator. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special appointment statement from Mr. Harry MacDonald, Vice President in charge of operations. We have received a request from military transit the police at the proposal our tower broadcasting facilities. View the gravity of the situation and believing that radio was a responsibility to serve public interest at these old times. We're turning our facilities to the state military at Trenton. We're taking now to the field headquarters on the state of the state military near Grover's Mill, New Jersey. This is Captain Lindsay of the Signal Corps attached in the state military and now engaged in military operations at the vicinity of Grover Mill. Situation arriving from reported presence of certain individuals of unidentified nature is now under control. The central object lies in pit, directly under opposition, surrounded by all sides by eight battalions of infantry, without heavy field, play, field pieces, but exactly armed with rifles and machine guns. All cause of alarm, if ever cause ever existed, is now entirely unjustified. Thing, whatever they are, do not venture to poke their heads above the pit. I can see their hiding place plainly in glare of the sun. Searchlights here. With all the reported sources, these creatures can barely stand up against heavy machine gun fire 
Anyway, it's interesting out in from troops. I can make out their khaki uniforms crossing back and forth in the front of the lights. Oh, it's like a real war. There appears to be some slight smoke in the woods bordering the mill. Stone River, probably fire started by campers. Well, we ought to see how some action soon. One of the companies is playing on the left flank. A quick thrust and it'll be over. Wait a minute, I see something on top of the cylinder. Oh no, it's nothing but the figure. Now the troops are on the edge of Milmer Farm. 7,000 armed men closing on the old metal tube. Wait, that wasn't a shadow. It's something moving. Solid metal. Kind of shield-like affair rising up out of the cylinder. It's going higher and higher. Why is standing on legs? Actually rearing up a sort of what? Metal framework. Now it's reaching above the trees. They're searching for searchlights on. Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Cruelly as it may seem, both the observations, sights, and the, the evidence of our eyes lean to the unscrupulous assumption that our strange beings landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight of a vanguard of the invading army from planet Mars. Battle which took place at Grover Seals that ended the most startling defeat ever suffered by any army in modern times. 7,000 men armed with rifles and machine guns pitted against a single fighting machine faded from Mars. 124 known survivors, rest screwed from, from the battlegrounds area for Grover Mills to Plattsboro, crushed and trampled to death under metal feet. The monster burnt the cylinders. Cinders by a heat ray. The monsters now control the middle section of New Jersey. It effectively cut the state through its centre. Communication lines are down from Pennsylvania, Atlantic Ocean Railway. Routes, tracks are torn, and surface from New York to Philadelphia discontinued, except routing some of the met- some of the trains through Allentown and Phoenixville. Highways to the north, south, and west are clogged with frantic human traffic. Police and army reserves are unable to control the mad flight by morning the fugitives were swell Philadelphia Camden and Princeton. It's estimated twice the near population. It's time national art prevails throughout New Jersey and eastern Pennsylvania. We'll take, we'll take you now to Washington for a special broadcast on the national emergency. The Secretary of the Interior. Citizens of the of a nation. I shall not try to conceal the gravity of the situation that confronts the country, nor the concern of your government is protecting the lives of property of its people. However, I wish to impress upon you, private citizens and public officials, all of you, urgent need of calm resourceful action. Fortunately, these fundamental enemies is still confined to a comparatively small area. We may place our faith in the military forces to keep them there. In the meantime, facing our faith in God, we must continue the performance of our duties, each and every one of us. We might confront this detective of our diversity with a nation united, courageous and constricted the reservation of human supremacy on this planet. I thank you. You just heard the Secretary of the Interior speaking for Washington. Bulletins are too numerous to read are coming, piling up the station here. We have formed a central portion of New Jersey, blacked out for radio communications due to the effect of the heat ray power lines and electrical equipment. There's a special bulletin from New York cables received from English, French, German scientific bodies offering assistance. Astrologers report continued gas outbursts and regular intervals on planet Mars. Majority voice opinion that the enemy 
will be reinforced by additional rocket machines. Attempts made to locate Professor Pinson, Princeton, who reserved merchants at close range. Advert break. Return to War of the Worlds. Written by Orson Welles. Performed by Mark Anthony Rains, a.k.a. Guzman. Citizens of the nation, I shall not try to conceal the gravity of the situation confronts your country, nor the concern of your government in protecting the lives and property of its people. However, I wish to impress upon you, public citizens and public officials, all of you, you urgently need to calm a resourceful action. Fortunately, his formal enemy is still confined to a relatively small area. We shall f- keep our faith in the military forces, keep them there. In the meantime, bringing our faith in God, we must continue the performance of our duties, each and every one of us. We confront this destructive adversary with a nation united, courageous and constructed in the preservation of human sovereignty on this earth. I thank you. You have just heard the Secretary of the Interior speaking from Washington. Bulletin is too numerous to read or piling up in the station here. We inform the central portion of New Jersey is blacked out for radio communication due to the effect of heat ray upon power lines and electrical equipment. Here's a special bulletin from New York. Cables received from English, French, Canadian, uh, French, German, specific bodies offering assistance. Astrologers report continued gas type bites in regular out- intervals at Mar- planet Mars. Majority voice opinion. Enemy will be forced by additional rocket machines. Tends to relocate Professor Princeton of Princeton, who served Martians at close range. He fears a loss of recent battle. Legman Field, Virginia. Scouting planes report that three Martian machines, visible above treetops, moving north towards Somerville, with a population fleeing ahead of them. Heat ray not in use, although advancing at express train speed. Vaders pick their way carefully. They seem to be making conscious effort to avoid destruction of cities and countryside. Heavy stop at uproot power lines, bridges, railway tracks. The object to apparent object is to crush resistant paralyzed communication, disorganized human society. There's a bulletin from Bridge Ridge, New Jersey. Coon hunters are st- stumble on a second cylinder. Similar to the first embedded in the Great Swamp. 30 miles south of Morristown, army field places are proceeding for New York to blow up second invading unit before a cylinder can, be up, can open the fight machine rigged. They're taking up position in the foothills of Wontown Mountains, another bulletin from the Langdon Field, Virginia. Scouted planes report enemy machines, now three in number, increasingly speed northward, kicking it over houses and trees. In evident haste to form conjunction with the alleys south of Morristown. Machines are sighted by a telephone operator east of Middlesex within 10 miles of Plainsfield. There's a bulletin from which Wilson Hunt Field, Long Island, south of fleet, fleet of army bombers carrying heavy explosives flying north in pursuit of enemy. Scouted planes are gacked as guides. They keep speeding, keep speeding enemy in light sight. Just a moment, please, ladies and gentlemen. We run special wires to the military line adjacent villages to give you direct reports in a zone of advancing enemy. First, we take you to Battalion 26, a field artillery. 
location upon which tongue watch tongue mountains range thirty two meters thirty two meters projection thirty nine degrees thirty nine degrees fire boom one hundred and thirty five yeah forty yards to the right sir shift range thirty one meters thirty one meters position thirty one seven degrees thirty seven degrees fire boom a hit, sir. We've got the tripod of one of them. It stopped. The others are trying to repair it. Quick, get the range. Shift, 30 meters. 30 meters. Projection, 37 meters. 27 degrees. 27 degrees. Fire! Can't see shell at the end, sir. They're getting off a, get, they're getting off a smoke. What is it? A black smoke, smoke sir. Walking, moving this way. Lying close to the ground. It's moving fast. Put on the gas mask. Get ready to fire. Shift 20, 24 meters. 24 meters. Projection 24 degrees. 24 degrees. Fire. Boom. Still can't see it, sir. The smoke's coming nearer. Get the. Get the reach. <coughs> 28. 3 meters. <coughs> 23 meters. <coughs> 23 meters. <coughs> Projection. 22 to me is <laughs> 22 meters. Army bombing plane V843 after damp Belton, New Jersey. Attendant voice commanding eight bombers. Reporting Commander Fairfax, Langdon Field. This is Void reporting to Commander Fairfax for Langdon Field. Enemy tripod machines now in sight. We forced by three machines from Morristown, Zenitha. Six altogether. One machine being already crippled. Believe hit by shell from army gun. In Watchdown Mountains, guns. Now apparent PSI. A heavy black fog. Closing, hang, hanging close to earth. Of extreme density. Nature unknown. No sign of heat ray. Emily now turns east. Face crossing Plastic River in the Jersey Mountains. Another straddles in Plastic Skyway. Evident object in New York City. They're pushing down a high tension power station. Machines are cloaked. Together now, we're ready to attack. Plane cycling, ready to strike. Thousand yards, we'll, we're over the first. Eight, four hundred yards, six hundred yards, four hundred, two hundred yards. There they go, the giant arm right. <laughs> Green flash, it's, it's spraying us with fire. Two thousand feet, machines are giving out. No chance to release bombs. Only one thing left. Drop on plane. Drop on them plane and all. We're diving down the first one. Now engine's gone. Right. Eight. Uh, this is Benetton, New Jersey calling. Langdon Field. This is Benetton, New J- Jersey. Calling Langdon Field. Come in, please. This is Langdon Field. Go ahead. Eight. Army bombers engagement with enemy tripod machines over Jersey Flats. Engines incapacitated by the heat ray, all crashed. One enemy machine destroyed. Enemy now discharging. Heavy black smoke in the direction of this is New York, New Jersey. This is New York, New Jersey. Warning: poisonous black smoke pouring in from Jersey marshes. Reaches South Street. Gas masks useless. Urge population to move to open spaces. Automobiles use Route 7, 40, 23, 24. Five contested areas. Smoke. Now appearing over Raymond Boulevard. 
three times two L coming C O two L X O calling C Q two X O calling eight eight times three R come in please this is eight times three R coming 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 back at two times one and one how's reception how's reception K please where are you eight X three R what's the matter where are you and I'm speaking from the roof of the Bullcourcing Building, New York. Said the bells that you hear are ringing to warn the people to escape the city as the Martians approach. Estimated in the last two hours, three million people have moved out along the roads to North Action River Parkway, still kept open for traf- motor traffic. Void bridges on Long Island, hopelessly jammed. All communication on Jersey Shore closed ten minutes ago. No more defences. Our army wiped out. Military, artillery, air force. Everything wiped out. This may be the last broadcast. We're still here to the end. People holding surface below in the cathedral. And now, down the harbour, all matters are boats. Look, overlook the flame population pulling out from docks. Seats of jail jam, noise in the crowds, like the New Year's Eve in the city. Wait a minute, enemy now in sight above the Palestines. Five, five great machines. First one is crossing river. I can see it from here. Waiting, the Hudson, like a man waiting for a brook. Bulletins handed me. Merchant senators are falling over all over the country. One outside Buffalo, one in Chicago, St. Louis, being timed in space. Now the first machine's reached the shore. He stands watching, looking over the city. His still, cowlish head is even the skyscrapers. He waits for the others. They rise like a line of new towers on the city's west side. They're lifting their metal hands. This is the end now. Smoke comes out. Black smoke running, drifting over the city. People in the streets see now. They're running towards the village weather. Thousands of them dropping like rats. Now the smoke's spreading faster. It reaches Times Square. People are trying to run away from it. But it's no use. They're falling like flies. Now the smoke's crossing 6th Street. Avenue, 5th Avenue. 100 miles away. It's 50... It's, it's body 50 feet. 2XL. Calling CQ. 2XL. Calling CQ. 2XL. 2L. Calling CQ. New York. Is there anyone on the air? Isn't there anyone on the air? Is there anyone on the air? 2X2L. You're listening to a CBS presentation of Olson Wells and the Mercury Theatre on the air of the original demonstration of the War of the Wells by H.G. Wells. The performance will continue after a brief intermission. This is the Columbian Bullcarston system. As I sit down, ladies, as I sit down, these notes on paper, I am obsessed by the thought that may be the last living man on earth. I have been hiding in this empty house near Grover's Hill. A small island of daylight cut off the dark black smoke from the rest of the world. What happened before the, before the interval? These monstrous creatures, the world now seems part of another life. A life of no continuity from the present. Funitive assistance of lonely derelict who pencils these, these words on the back of some astrological notes bearing the signature of Richard Pearson. I looked down at my blackened hands. I walked my torn shoes, my tattered clothes. I tried to connect the world with a professor who lives at Princeton, and who at night on the October 1st glimpsed through the telescope an orange splash of light on a distant planet. My wife, 
my colleagues, my students, my box, my Zochi, my world, my world. Where are they? Why did they exist? Am I a richer person? What day is it? Do days exist without calendars? Does time pass when there are no human hands left to wind the clocks? I'm writing down my daily life. I tell you myself I shall preserve human history between the dark covers of this little book. The event will call the moments of the stars. But to write, I must. I live, I must eat. I find a mouldy bread in the kitchen. An orange not too small to swallow. I keep watching the window from time to time. I catch sight of the marshes above the black smoke. The smoke still comes, holds the house in black coil, but the length for there is hissing sound. And suddenly I see a mushroom mount to his machine, spraying the air with a jet of steam. It's so despondent that smoke. I watch in a corner of this huge, these huge metal legs near, nearby brush against the house. It's obviously by terror. I fall asleep. It's morning. Morning. Sun streams in the window. A black cloud of dust has lifted. The scorched meadows of the earth look as though a black snowstorm has passed over them. I venture from the house. I make my way to this road. No traffic. A wrecked car. I have a, there, there, there is a wrecked car. Book baggage have been turned and blackened stagnant. I move on north for reasons I feel safer trailing these monsters that run away from them. I have, keep a careful watch. I have seen the Martians feed. Should one of these machines appear over the trees, I am ready to fling myself flat on the earth. I come to a chestnut tree. Oh, October chestnuts are ripe. I feel my pockets. I, want, I must keep alive. Two days wonder in a vague, northerly direction for a desolated world. Finally, I notice a living creature, a small red squirrel in the beech tree. I stare at him and wonder. He stares back at me. I believe at the moment the animal and I share the same motion of joy of finding another living being. I push not on north. I find dead cows in a blackish field. Beyond the charred remains of dairy, a silo remains standing, standing guard over the wasteland, like a lighthouse deserted by the sea. A stride of stone perches as, as a weathercock. The arrow points north. One next day, I come to the city, vaguely familiar to its contours, yet its buildings strangely dwarfed and leveled off. Its great hand sliced off its cellar-built towers, capricious sweep with its hand. I reach the outskirts, I find Newark, and am undemolished, but humbled by those whim of advancing Martians. Presently, with old feeling of being watched, I caught sight of something crouching in the doorway. I, make it, I made it a step towards it. I rose up. And become, and become a man, a man armed with a large knife. Stop. Where did you come from? I come here from here, many places. A long time ago, from Princeton. Princeton? Yeah. Where, what is near Grover's Hill? Yes, Grover's Hill. There's no field here. This is my country. All this end of the town drive down the river. There's only food for one. Which, what, which way are you going? I don't know, and just guess I'm looking for people. What was that? Did you hear something like, like just then? Only oh, bird, a lay bird. You know the birds have shadows these days. Say, we're open here. Let's call into this doorway and talk. Have you any seen any Martians? Nah, they've gone over to New York. A night and the sky is alive with the lights, just as people still living in the daylight, but living in it. But I, I can't see them. Five days ago, a couple of them carried something big across the flats, 
from the airport. I believe, I believe this, the flying, learning how to fly. Fly? Yeah, fly. Then it's all over for you, humanity stranger. There's still you and I too, Seth. I, got, I felt inside that wreck, the greatest country in the world. Those green stars, they're probably falling somewhere every night. They only lost one machine. There ain't nothing to do, anything to do. We're done, we're licked. Where are you from? You're in uniform. Yeah, that's what's left of it. I was in military, uh, National Guard, that's good. Want, don't want any more, any more than these wars between men and ants. We are eightable ants. I found that out. What will you do with us? They do with us. Oh, I thought it'd be all over right now. We would call us to the what we wanted. The Martian only has a few miles to go to get a crowd on the run. They won't keep doing that. They were getting catching us. Somebody, some, some mystic like keeping the rest of us soaring in the cages and things. Then they, they won't begin, begin us yet. Why? No, begin, not begin. Not begin. That's only happened so far because we haven't sense enough to keep quiet. Borrowing them with guns and such stuff. Losing heads and rushing off in the ground. Instead of our rushing behind blind, we got ourselves fixed up. Fixed ourselves up according to the way things are. Now science, nation, civilization, progress done. But if that's so, what is life for? Well, there won't be any more concerts for a million years to go. And no nice little dinners in a restaurant. It's almost amused. If, if it amused you after, I'll, give you, I'll guess the game's up. And well, where is that left? Life. That's what I want. I want to live. Yeah, I do want you. I'm not going to be exterminated. I don't mean to be caught either and tamed and fattened and bred like an ox. What are you going to do? I'm going to oh, I'll keep under your other feet. I have a plan. We need need amends. We need men that are finished. We don't know. We don't know enough. We've got to keep plenty. No, got no, no plenty. But we've got a chance. Got to live and help free. And we learn, learn. See, I thought of it. I, I have thought of it out. See, tell me the rest. Well, ain't well, is it all of us that make the world a wild beast? We've got to do. Well, only I want to tell you, watch you. And all the, uh, the little work, office workers are used to leaving these houses. They no good. Ain't no stuff to. They used to run off of work. There are hundreds of them. Running wild to catch the community train in the morning for fear they get canned in the, if they didn't. Running back in the after, late at night, afraid they wouldn't be in time for dinner. Lives assured and little insurance in the case of accidents. On Sunday, worried about the heavy, heavy fall after, the Martians said we'll be godsend for their guys. Roomy cages, good food, everything breathing, no worries. After a week or so, chasing the uh, Life's ensured a little interest, a case of innocence, and suddenly worried about the here for the hereafter. The Martians were gods in these days. Roomy, nice roomy cages, good food, careful breathing, no worries. After a week or so, Tracy feels on the empty stomachs. I come and be glad to keep caught. You ought to, you, you thought it all out, haven't you? Well, you better have. That's all these Martians and the twins. 
pets at some pick em and do objects. Who knows? Let cinnamon over them. But pet boy, you go it up. Yeah, I bet they ain't, that's not any old. These marshes, they, they make pet of us. Train them and do tricks. Who knows? Great sentiment over a pet, pet boy who will grow up. You have to be killed. And maybe, and some maybe, they train us to hunt us. No, that's not possible. No human beings. Yes, they will. There's men who do it gladly. I'm one of them, but ever comes after me. Why? In the meantime, you and I were on the others like us. Well, like us, no way to them. Well, you know, that's no, it's possible. No human being, yes, it will. There's men who do it gladly. If one of them ever comes after me, why? In the meantime, you and I, others like this, where are we live in the Martians to, uh, on the earth? Only got that figured out. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll leave in the underground. I've been thinking about the sewers under New York, the miles and miles of them. The main ones are big enough for anything, for anyone. They, these cylinders, vaults, underground storerooms, railway tunnels, subways. We begin to see. Uh, we've got a bunch of strong men together, no weak ones to rubbish out. And what are we meant to do? Where are we going? Well, I'll give you a chance, don't I? We don't want to care about it. Come on. We're going to make the safe, safe, make safe places for us to stay in. See, get all the books we can, science books. That's where the men will come and see. We're raiding museums. We, we're even spying on the we get. So maybe so so much that we learned about before. That's where men like you come and see. We raid the museums, we even spy Martians. But not so much we have learned before. Just imagine this four or five their own fighting machines suddenly started off. Engine heat rays right and left had a Martian in them. Not a Martian in them, but man, man who had learned the way out. Only feathers. Yeah, maybe the people when we learned before fight four. Just imagine this, four or five of them. Their own fighting machines suddenly start off. Heat rays right and left. Not a Martian in them. Not a Martian in them. But man, man, I really have to learn the way, way now. I may not be in time. You know, gee, imagine having time, one of those lovely things. It's heat ray, wide and free. We'll run onto the Martians. We learn, we raid the museums, we even spy masters. Maybe so much we have to learn before. Just imagine this, four or five of their own fighting machines starting, but suddenly start off, heat rays right and left, not a Martian in them. Not a Martian in them, but man, man who have learned the way now. Maybe our time, gee, imagine one of those lovely things, heat rays wild and free, 
We're turning on the Martians. We're turning on men. We're bringing everyone down to knees. That's your plan. That's your, that's your plan. You're to me. A, a few more of us. We owe. What's your, what's your plan? You, you mean, if you've got more of us, we own the world. I see. Say, what's the matter? Where are you going? Not to, not to your world, by stranger. After departing with the Antonio man, I came to last in the Holland Tunnel. I entered the Silent Tunnel, anxious to know the fate of the great city on the other side of Houston. Cautiously, I came up the tunnel and went, I made my way up the Canal Street. I reached 14th Street, and then again, uh, we're back, we're black powder and several bodies, and the eagle on the smell from the grating of the cellars. Well, there's some street houses. I wandered up through 30s and 40s. I stood alone by t- up on Slime Square. I caught sight of a lean dog going running down 7th Avenue, a piece of dark brown meat in its jaws, a pack of starving mongrels on his heels. He made a wide circle around me, as though he figured I, mu- I must prove a fre- I might prove a fresh competitor. I watched, uh, walked up Brentford in addition to the pair of <sighs> After putting an Englishman, I came. I came to the. T- Hollywood Tunnel, I entered the uh, t- tunnel, anxious to know the fate of the great city on the other side of Houston. Crucially, I came up the tunnel and made my way to the channel street. I reached 14th Street, and there we were black and powdered and began with certain bodies, even on a smell from the gratings of the trellis or some of the houses. I wandered through the 30s and 40s, I stood alone. On Times Square, I caught sight of a lean dog sprinting, running down seven a piece of dark meat in the jaw, a pack of starving mongrels in his heels. We have a wild, he made a wild circle around me, as though. Uh, I reached 14th Street and there's uh, black powder on several bodies. The evil and smell from the gratings of the cellars from from the trousers. I wandered through times in the thirties and forties. I stood alone in Times Square. I caught sight of a lean dog running down Seventh Avenue with a piece of dark meat, brown meat in the jaws, a pack of starving mongrels at its heel. I made a wild circle round me, as if I feared I might prove a fresh competitor. I walked up the Broadway in the direction of strange powder. He passed several silent shop shop windows displaying their root wares and empty wide sidewalks past the Clover Theatre. Silent dark, just as a second
I walked under Broadway in the direction of the Swedish powder, past each seat, silent shop windows, displaying their wooden wares, to empty sidewalks, past the Capitol Theatre, silent, dark, past the shooting gallery with a row of empty guns, facing a rested line of wooden ducks. Near Columbus Circle, I noticed models of 1939 motor cars in showrooms facing empty streets from over the top of the General Motors building. I watched a flock of blue blackbirds circling the sky. I hurried on. Suddenly, I caught sight of the hood of a Martian machine standing nowhere, somewhere in Central Park, gleaming in the late summer afternoon sun. And the same idea I rushed recklessly across the Columbus Circle into the park. I climbed a small hill above the pond of the 7th Street. From there, I could see, standing in a silent row, along the mail, nineteen of these great metal titans. Their cowls empty, their great steel arms displaying listlessly by their side. I looked in vain for the monsters that inhabited the machines. Suddenly, my eyes were attracted to the immense flock of blackbirds that hovered directly over me, below me. They circled to the ground, and there, before my eyes, stark and silent, lay the Martian. With hungry birds pecking and tearing down sheds of earth, fresh from the dead bodies. Later, when these bodies were examined in the cemeteries, it's found they were killed by the purgative factor, a disease but bacteria against which these systems were unprepared, slain after all man's defences were failed by humblest thing that God in his wisdom put upon this earth. Before the cinder fell, there was a great persuasion that through through all the deep space, no life existed beyond the pretty surface of art. But minute, one minute spear. Now we see further. Dim and wonderful was the mention. I've conjured up in my mind a life spreading slowly from a little seedbed to a solar system. Throughout the immense vastness of surreal space, that is a remote dream. Maybe it might be the destruction of Martians only a reprieve. To them, not from us, the future ordained it themselves. Strange it now seems to sit in my peaceful study at Princeton, writing down the last chapter of the record, began at a desperate farm in, in Grover's Hill. Strange to see how my window in the verse inspires me, and it blew through the April haze. Strange to watch children playing in the street. Strange to see young people strolling in the green, where the new spring grass hills and black, large black scars that scarfed earth. Strange to watch the sightseers enter the museum, disassembled parts of the Martian machine are kept, that are kept to public view. Strange that it should recall the time where I first saw it bright out and clean cut. Oh. Strange to see, you know, see the peaceful study prints and writing down. Last chapter of the record began on a deserted farm, closes hill. Strange to see in my window, unisex squares, dim and blue for an April haze. Strange to watch children playing in the streets. Strange to see young people strolling on the green, where the new spring grass hills and last great black scars of Brazil's earth. Strange to watch societies as under the museum with disassembled parts of the Martian machine are kept on in public view. Strange when I recall the time when I first saw it, bright and clean cut, hard, a silence and a dawn of greatest day. This is Orson Welles, ladies and gentlemen, out of character to assure you the war world 
was no further significance than as a holiday offering as it tended to be. Uh, of mystery theatre of her own radio version, dressing up a sheet and jumping out about out, out, saying, Boo, starting now, we can't, couldn't soak all your winners, so all your body. This is also Wales, ladies and gentlemen, out of character. I assure you that the Wall of Wales has no significant, further significance than a holiday offering of intended to be. Mercury's own radio version of dressing out the sheet and jumping out the brush and saying, Boo! Starting now, we won't soap all your windows and steal your golden gates. But tomorrow night, we did our best and next best thing. We united the world before your very ears. After you destroyed the CBS, you will be relieved. I hope to learn. We didn't mean it. The both intuitions are still open for business. So goodbye, everyone. Remember, terrible listeners to learn tonight that grinning, glowing, global invader of the living room is an inhabitant of pumpkin patch. And if you, if doorbell ring, rings, no. door, and if your doorbell rings, nobody's there. There's no Martian. It's Halloween tonight. The, the, the Columbia Broadcasting System and its facilitated sessions coast to coast have brought you War on the Wells by H.G. Wells, the 17th in his weekly series of popular Tonight, tonight, the Columbia Broadcasting System and facilitated sessions coast to coast have brought you War on the Wells by H.G. E. Wells, the 17th in the weekly series, a week a dramatic broadcast featuring Orson Wells and Mercury Theatre on the air. Next week, we present a documentary of three famous short stories. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.